right, we're going to open the study up in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. And it reads, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and, and they shall be given unto his hand until a time, times, and a dividing of a time. Um, you know, when the, whenever the liberal satanic left lectures us on what sin is, um, we have to stop and think about it. You know, is it really a sin? I mean, um, you know, you look at uh, what a great job Satan is doing actually changing times and laws today. You know, what's, what used to be right is now wrong, and what's, what used to be wrong is now right today. Um, and the same people that are telling us what the new sins are in society are the same people who believe that homosexual perversion and murdering the unborn are upright and moral things. Um, and and, and the, the main sin that they're trying to say now is the worst that you can possibly commit is uh, white supremacy or um, you know racism. They say it's the greatest of all sins and it must be completely eradicated. But we need to we need to figure out what do they mean by white supremacy? What do they mean by racism? Um, because in Matthew chapter seven verse eighteen, Jesus says um, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So you got these liberals that stand for everything that is against God. Um, and now they're trying to tell us, they're framing the narrative of what the worst possible sin in society could be. And that is white supremacy, okay, that they keep saying, or white systemic racism. And they're, they're, they're telling us that these things are so unjust and immoral Yet, it's coming from wicked trees themselves. So, again, we have to stop and think, what, what do they mean by these terms? And instead of, uh, you know, what everybody does right away is they let the left frame the narrative of what is right and wrong. And instead of being on the offense, ex you know, telling the truth and expanding the kingdom of God, we're, uh, conservatives are always on the defense trying to uh, escape being labeled as a white supremacist or a racist. You know, they, they want everybody, no, no, that's not me. That's not me. You know, and they, instead of spreading the truth, they're, they're running scared all day long. And you know what? That is actually a, um, a military tactic. You know, if you can get your enemy on the run all the time and you keep chasing him and you never let up, they're always fleeing and you're always advancing. So no doubt uh, that's what's going on today. Um, so the title of our study will be, Is Racism Really a Sin? Okay, this will probably be our last of our topical series of studies we've been doing the last month or so since, uh, since the protests and since the riots and the burning of cities. And then we'll get right back into cruising through the book of Daniel that really talks about what's going on right now anyways. But... Um, so is racism really a sin? Well, it depends. Now, now listen to me closely. It depends on who is defining the terms. Okay, if racism means hating people, of uh, hating someone just because they are of a different race, then obviously yes, that is a sin. Okay, the Bible condemns that kind of uh, thinking. Um, you know, you could say uh, uh, there is no specific law 
that says uh, you shall not be a racist, but there is the law of you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You wouldn't want somebody hating you just because of your race, and we shouldn't either. But if racism means wanting to live in a country uh, where your race remains the majority uh, while retaining its culture and political power, then no way. That is in no way whatsoever condemned in the Bible. In fact, it is a, um, it is, uh, it is, it, there's, there's no shame in that, but there is a shame. There is shame in not believing uh, those things and not wanting that because it's a normal, natural desire that God has put into us that we want to uh, promote our families, our outer tribes, our communities, and, and so on. And we're going to see that throughout the scriptures here today. Um, what, the first place I'll turn to is Genesis chapter 10, verse 5. Um, you know, today we have all this talk of equality and diversity and multiculturalism and uh, we should all just blend together in the great melting pot. But, the, but God uh, gives us a different idea of how the nations are supposed to exist. Genesis 10 verse 5 says, By these, the sons of Noah, uh, after, the, after the flood, it says, By these were the, were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, or the nations, every one after his tongue, now check this out, you can even underline this, after their families, or after their tribes, in their nations, okay? So God is the one who has divided nations. He's segregated them, if you would. You know, we hear that term segregation. All that, the only, that word just means to divide, to, um, there's a difference. It depends on how you use the term, obviously. Um, in America, it has some negative connotations. But, um, but God was the one who divided the nations according to their um, families. And we think of that as races today. Okay, um, So anybody who says it's a sin to want to, uh, to live among your own families and your extended family called a tribe is, uh, is, is actually committing a sin. They're the ones sinning because they're sinning against God saying there is no difference there, there are no boundaries. But then the typical so-called New Testament Christian will come along and say, well, that's all changed, you know, in the New Testament. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, they'll pull this verse out. Um, and and I'll, I will comment here. You know, what Satan, you look at what Satan, how he operates, um, how he operated in the Garden of Eden and how he operated when he tempted uh, Jesus in the... Uh, in the New Testament, in the wilderness, uh, he would take the he would quote the scriptures, but he would put an um, uh, a spin on it, or he would apply them in a uh, um, in a devious manner. Okay, in other words, he was not rightly dividing the word. He was using the scriptures to promote lies, and unfortunately, most of the mainstream church does does this when it comes to this topic. They've they've they totally have, um, they, they all support this globalist utopia where everybody, all nations can just live together in harmony. We know that doesn't, I mean, look at what's going on in our cities right now. That's not working, okay? Multiculturalism and diversity does not work. Um, but here, 
here's the verse that they'll quote oftentimes. They'll say, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So they, all, they come up with this slogan. They say, well... Um, you know, we're, we're all red inside, you know, we all have red blood, we're all the same, but we're not all the same. Otherwise, God wouldn't have divided the nations, okay? If we were all the same, then God would have never had um, uh, scattered the builders of the Tower of Babel when they were all trying to be the same back then. Um, they were doing the same thing, and God, God saw their wickedness on how they wanted to babble on everything up, mix everything up, and uh, join together as this you know, great human race that has no differences, um, uh, and then he divided them. Okay, So, again... This verse, what's, what's amazing about this verse, they only read the first part where it says, of one blood, all nations. Now, let me explain a little bit. There's a lot of different opinions on this. Um, some people believe that all nations came from Adam, uh, all nations of the earth. But if you, look at, if, you, if you look at who the apostles were actually going to and so forth, there is a good point to be made that when he's ref that um, uh, Paul was speaking of all these these one blood of all nations that the nations that he was talking about were all uh, Adamites they were all descendants of Adam whereas there were other people like let's say in Asia or in Africa that were non-Adamic peoples or pre-Adamic peoples and that he wasn't really referring to those people in this verse anyhow. Um, I'm going to leave that up for you guys to decide. I just want to point that out that that is an option there because when you look at where uh, the church spread, it spread right from the apostles right into Europe. So it really went where the white people were at that time and it's obvious that it did is because for 2,000 years, Christianity was really centered around white uh, Europe, the white Europeans. They were like, they were the, they, wherever uh, those people were, that's where Christianity was, okay? So, point is, this one blood of all nations might only be talking about the race of the Adamites and not the pre-Adamic peoples. Um, that's, that's an issue that I'm currently working through, so I'm not going to teach that uh, uh, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, I d I'm going to say that that is one option. But regardless, regardless of if, if all nations came from Adam, it doesn't matter because there were different families that came from Adam, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, that were divided into nations, okay? And the very verse that they use to say we're all of one blood, we should just mix together, is the very verse that says God set, now check this out, bounds of their habitation. So in the same verse that they're saying we should all just blend together, it's actually saying that God has determined the nation's boundaries. Now you have boundaries so people don't cross them. Okay, you have boundaries so that there are differences in nations. Okay, so they conveniently skip the second half of this verse to try to promote a globalist utopia or an America that is a, a great melting pot of diversity and there's no differences. It's a lie. It's a complete lie. Um, all right, we'll go back to the New Testament maybe in a little bit, but let's skip to, uh, back to Deuteronomy 32 verse 8. And we'll talk about these boundaries again. 
when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance. Okay, so that means each nation, God has set their bounds. He's given them an inheritance. That's where they belong. Okay, that's where they should live for the most part. When the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated, now here it actually says the sons of Adam, the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Okay, there again, point being, nations have boundaries. Nations are different. God has different blessings and different destinies for each and every nation. Okay. Um, the children of Israel had a special destiny to bring in the kingdom of God and, uh, and so forth. All right. So th that brings us to this question. Is it a sin to believe that white Christians or the biblical Israelites are chosen to be a separate people? Because today, they, again, the mainstream church... Th now, now think about this. When the mainstream church is in lockstep with the radical leftists on this issue. And the radical leftists say they, this is their main issue right now. It's, it's always really been uh, that we don't like white Christians. We wish they were never around. We wish they never built this, this country. We wish there was never colonia colonialization. And the mainstream church and the radical leftists are hand in hand in this topic. That's why you see Christians actually going out, professed Christians, going out and marching with Black Lives Matter, uh, uh, an organization that promotes uh, uh, homosexuality, uh, destruction of the traditional uh, family, um, people that uh, obviously burn down cities and, and, and use terrorism as a weapon to try to get what they want. So... That's got to make us stop and think, did we somehow go wrong in our mainstream church to uh, where we've come to this idea that in the New Testament, all nations are the same? Did we miss the boat somewhere? Did, did, because I'll tell you this, when you read the Founding Fathers' writings and even the writings just 100 years ago, uh, their worldview was totally different than it is now. And it wasn't considered a sin for them to believe that they were the chosen people as they expanded uh, westward, through, westward throughout America um, under the uh, manifest destiny and, and so forth. As they expanded throughout America, they believed they were chosen to bring Christianity to this land and to be a light and an example to other peoples. Not, they did not believe in this, this notion of equality of all peoples. Um, they believed in differences. And um, anybody who says there are no differences today, I mean, when you look at, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to make this too much of a controversial study, but there are differences between the Israelites that are more than skin deep between the Israelites and non-Israelite peoples. God has gifted them with, with different gifts of bringing civilization and, and things like that that he hasn't necessarily given to other peoples. Now, those other peoples sometimes can blend in and work together with the Israelites, but when left completely alone, it's a totally different story. Um, anyways, before I get sidetracked, Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. 
So is it a sin to believe that white Christians are chosen to be a separate people? Because that's what our founding fathers believed in America, and that's why we have all these protests today. People don't like it. They hate it. And Christians are going along with it. Oh, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm not a racist, but I do believe, you know, our founding fathers were good people, but it was a different time then. And they, uh, they just, you know, they weren't perfect men, just like none of us are perfect. And that argument, that, uh, that retreat has not helped us at all. Christianity has gone backwards with that sort of mentality. Um, why? Because if, if, you're told, if you're told to feel guilty about what your destiny is, what your ancestors have done as far as working for the kingdom of God, you're not really motivated to work for the kingdom of God. But when you know your destiny and you know your purpose, it's exciting. You want to get out there and do it because you feel like this is a God-driven destiny. Now check this out. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. So God's people, the Israelites, the biblical Israelites, um, they've always believed this. Now today, this is what everybody hates. They say this is white supremacism. I don't care what you call it. I call it the supremacy of the kingdom of God. That's really what it's about. I believe God's kingdom reigns supreme over the, the kingdoms of, the, of this world, the pagan kingdoms of this world. Um, in fact, when you look at, uh, we're going to go back there at the end of this study, and I'll be teaching a study on it uh, probably this week. Daniel chapter 7. It talks about these kingdoms of the world, and they're described as these, these, these monstrous beasts, okay, that devour the world and just kind of break it up and destroy it. And then there's this group of people called the saints of the Most High who eventually take the kingdom away from the beasts, and, um, and uh, they reign, forever, reign forevermore, okay? Um, same people. So, in other words, Daniel 7 talks about how the world is controlled by all these pagan powers, but God's people will eventually gain dominion over this earth, okay, um, when Jesus returns. So, I mean, look at these, these verses. Chosen, above all, holy people. Holy means separate, uh, a separate people, somebody who God says, hey, I'm going to take you and you're not like everybody else. You're different and I don't. In fact, there are so many Old Testament laws that, for, forbade the Israelites from intermixing with other nations. Okay? Why? Because he, he, he wanted them to be separate. Um, so if this is what people call white supremacy, um, this is what our founding father, fathers believed, and, uh, and this is what America was founded on. If they, if they call this white supremacy, then we should, instead of running from it, we should say, well, if that's how you define white supremacy, that that it's, it's a sin to believe in the Bible, then I'll gladly wear that label. If you want to say that, then fine. I'm a, I'm a Bible supremacist, man. You know, and uh, I'll wear it. You, you put, a, put a patch on my arm if you want, and I'll be proud to wear it. But everybody's so scared today. Oh, no, I care about what liberals think of me. Oh, no, I, I understand it's hard now today because people don't want to get fired from their jobs and so forth. So there is a little bit of that. But 
Um, the people that can make a bold stand should be making a bold stand on this issue. Um, so, and we, you know, we don't need to apologize um, for any of these things, okay? All right. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says the same thing. In the New Testament, Peter talking to the Israelites here, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, for 2,000 years, this chosen race, this holy nation, these peculiar people, uh, clung to Christianity all throughout Europe. And they've sent missionaries into other countries to try to advance the gospel. And it's, what's interesting is, here's an example, South America. Uh, South America used to be controlled by the, by the Israelites. Okay, They colonized South America. And they brought with them the gospel and, and things like that. Um, but once... These people leave a certain country and they no longer evangelize or they no longer try to colonize or civilize. Those civilizations, as far as we know, have all gone backwards to where they were before they came. Um, so there is some, there's some difference here. It's, God's people were supposed to be a blessing to other nations. And when God's people are attacked, vilified, and hated, everything goes to hell. Everything falls apart. And South America now is, uh, did I say South America? Yes. South Africa. South <laughs> Africa. I'm sorry. South Africa. Uh, South Africa um, is, they're murdering white farmers now. And, uh, uh, and so once they said that there's no difference, we're all equal, everything went, went to crazy, crazy town there. Okay. Um, and that's a fact. And the reason why I bring that up, if you really want to see what's maybe in store for America, just look at South Africa, what's going on there. Um, that may be where we're headed. Because, I mean, I'll show you in a little bit. I mean, this, what we're facing right now is some very dangerous times. When you've got all of our youth being taught to hate white people um, and to attack biblical Christians, you're looking at a future country where... Um, you know, white people may be rounded up and uh, attempted genocidal, uh, uh, you know, an attempted genocide upon our people. Um, you know, a lot of people think that that'll never happen. I mean, uh, you know, just this last uh, week, we had an armed militia go through, I think it was uh, somewhere down south, a black armed militia, and going up to Mortaris and demanding that they pay them reparations. And the cops didn't do anything about it. No, as far as I know, nobody's been arrested for that. And so when you see that kind of stuff happening and nobody does anything about it and everybody's scared and everybody's apologizing and, and all these white liberal women and these effeminate white men are saying, yeah, we, we have white privilege. I mean, you're just, you're just totally submitting and asking to be wiped off the face of the map. Um, no civilization, no race would survive uh, in that kind of a, an apologetic mode. All right, so anyways, it is not a sin to believe that Christian culture is superior to all other cultures, okay? It's not a sin, and that's really what this comes down to, okay? Obviously, 
it, it comes down to uh, anti-white racism, but what's behind the anti-white racism is God's chosen people are bringing Christian, Christianity to the world, and that's what they don't like. Um, so it's not a sin. And here's some verses that talk about this. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus saith unto them, I am the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay? This simple truth, every Christian should believe this, yet we have Christians today having these interfaith gatherings and joining together with the Islamists, the Hindus, the whatever, and trying to have some kind of a dialogue. You know, my dialogue is, hey, you're going to hell, buddy, if you don't believe in Jesus, okay? And if you want to go there, I will let you, okay? I will let you, but I'm not going to sit down and have this interfaith dialogue with you. This is the dialogue I'm going to have with you. No man comes to the Father except through Christ. Um, Psalms chapter 2. Verse, I'm just going to pick up in verse, all these places, if you go to them on your own and you read these entire chapters, there's some amazing truths here. Psalms chapter 2 verse 10 says, Be wise now therefore, O you kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Okay? Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Oh man, that's white supremacy at its core, man. You can't, you can't talk like that. You can't say that everybody must worship Jesus. Um, we can't have that. That's not interfaith. That's not whatever. But the Psalms is saying, this is a prophecy talking directly to the political leaders. You kings, you judges, you better serve the Lord or your day is coming. Okay, and this is what he says. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. And his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Okay? So, there, in other words, you read these verses here, no Christian should be apologizing for Christian culture. And it is not something evil to believe that Christian culture is superior far superior, it's the only culture that will actually exist in the eternity than any other culture. Okay? You don't get to live in the eternity um, if you do not believe in Jesus. There isn't, there isn't going to be this multiculturalism diversity. There's going to be the kingdom of God and every nation will be in that structure of God's kingdom the way he has it structured. And I can give you an outline of it. It's outlined all throughout the Bible. You have Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? King of all nations. And then who's underneath him? The Israelites. They are the priests, the royal priesthood of the earth. Then underneath the Israelites, in that chain of command, in that kingdom, you have the other nations of the world, okay? And so Israel is to be above, not equal to or below. And... If that's white supremacy or whatever else, we should gladly wear that. Because if we don't stand for that, we don't stand for the Bible. We don't stand for the Bible. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Okay? In other words, every other religion Jesus talks about that claims to have a Messiah, you know, whether it's the New Age religion, uh, it's Hinduism, Buddhism, all these different, um, the Islamists, all these different people that claim to have 
another way to the Father. Jesus says that they've only come to but to steal and to destroy. That's what these other uh, beliefs come to do. Steal and destroy, both spiritually and even physically. You look at look at all these. Now, now think about this. You got nowhere else do they promote. There's no um, uh, big push to promote diversity and multiculturalism in Asia, in Africa, or you know, in, in other yeah, in China, all these other countries. Nobody's pushing multiculturalism and diversity there. Why? Well, I'll tell you why in a little bit. There's some scriptures that we'll get into. But, um, and, and you look, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I was going to say this a little bit later, but I'll say it now. But if, think about this. If you think about this, all these people are saying that, you know, the founding of America was terrible because it was from uh, white Christians and, and they, you know, they did all these terrible things and so on. Um, but yet, all these people from these third world countries, these, uh, I'll, I'll just say non-white people, want to come to America and Europe. They want to flee their native lands and come here. Why? If it's so bad here, why are they coming here? Why aren't we flocked leaving America if it's so bad to go to Asia or to Africa or some other, other non-European country? Why is it only one way? Why is everybody coming to the, our countries and not to their countries. And why can they have uh, their majority of people of the same race and culture? Why is everybody forced to assimilate into their cultures, but they don't have to be forced to assimilate into our culture? Nobody stops and thinks about that. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a really what we're going to find out is there's a reason for that because they want, Satan wants to eliminate the Israelites from the world, okay? All these other cultures are fine because they all worship Satan through their various false religions. Um, and so there's a reason for that. Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, and it says, And he that overcometh, Jesus talking to the churches here, the seven churches, and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Okay? He's talking to these Israelite churches here in Asia Minor, the seven churches. It, to, to those who overcome, Jesus says, I'm going to give you power over the nations. Now, that doesn't mean you're equal to. It doesn't mean that there's this, when Jesus returns, that heaven, uh, we're finally going to establish equality. It's going to be a kingdom. Okay? There is order in a kingdom. There are ranks. There's positions. And the overcomers will be the rulers over the nations. Okay? If they didn't if they don't if they didn't like if they're going to complain about if they're complaining about colonialization today. This they're going to have something much worse to complain about. And they won't be there if they're complaining about it anyways. But verse 27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I have received of my father. Okay? So there will be total obedience during that time to God's people, to the overcomers. Um, and right now what we're seeing is disobedience to this rule. And there's a reason why God says I'm going to um, give you this power is because this is what 
God's end game is. This is what his purpose was for his people, to rule over the nations. Now, now when, when God's people rule over other peoples according to the scriptures, when they do it in a biblical way, it brings blessings to those other people. When they're left to themselves, let's say in Africa or Asia, you, you look at all these third world countries, it's not pleasant for anybody living there. That's why they all want to leave there. Because their rulers do not rule according to the word of God. They do not implement God's law. Wherever, you know, it's interesting. The reason why our, our cultures have been so blessed and so um, the European cultures have been so blessed is because they've built their system of law off of the Bible. The Ten Commandments, the laws of God. And that's why... You can go to those countries, or you used to be able to go into our countries, and these people could come here and feel safe. They could have a job. They could have blessings. But, man, you could try doing that in a third world country. No way. There's a reason for that. Because it's outside the bounds of God's kingdom. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Now we'll go, we'll go back. A little bit here. Some uh, I'm going to read a verse here that talks about um, um, what would be wrong. What would be wrong biblically? But the uh, the leftist Christians today will use this verse and try to promote equality again and multiracial blending and no differences and all these types of things. And he said unto them, "You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew." or of the tribe of Judah, to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Okay, so they read this verse and they say, they quote this verse, we're all the same, nobody's common or unclean. Okay, um, but, uh, well, let me just go to the next verse here. It's actually before that and then I'll explain. But Acts chapter 10, verse 15, skipping backwards, And the voice spake unto him again the second time that says, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou, uh, call not thou common or unclean. Okay. So in other words, what Peter, many of you are probably familiar with it. In this chapter, Peter was seeing a vision. There is this plate of unclean food coming down from heaven, and God was saying, Arise and eat. And Peter's like, no, I'm not going to eat unclean food. And it happened like three times or something. And the point is, God was saying that, uh, you know, because the Gentiles ate the unclean foods and, and so forth. But what God was trying to show him is that he, he can go and eat with the Gentiles. You know, he can associate with them. Because up to this time, the children of Judah, I mean, they weren't even supposed, they were so segregated that they couldn't even associate with people of other uh, nations. Um, so, but what the point, the point is, this has nothing to do with blending the nations together. This has nothing to do with saying there's no difference whatsoever between the nations. What God was admonishing Peter here, or giving him, he was giving him the permission. These were people, these were people that were seeking God from other nations. And God was saying, you have the permission to associate with them, to commune with them. Okay. Um, that would be like me, let's say if I was traveling, I was spreading the gospel and I was going over to Africa. I'm not going to be able to spread the gospel to them if I don't go sit down and eat with them. If I'm so self-righteous that I'm like, I'm not even going to sit down at the table with him because he's not my status. Now that, 
That is wrong, okay? That would be wrong. But this doesn't, this verse Satan has twisted, these and other verses, to say that there's no difference between Israel and the Gentiles and that we should all blend together. No, there was still separation. There were still differences. But there was a mutual love and affection towards each other and respect, okay? But these were two God-loving Gentiles, okay? These were not the pagan unbelievers. Totally different thing, okay? Um, and so I'll repeat there. What God hath cleansed, that, don't call that uncommon or unclean. Well, if they're not Christians and they're worshiping the devil in some third world country and they won't listen to you, you don't need to sit down with them, okay? They are unclean. They are filthy, heathen uh well, I won't go any further than that, but they are filthy heathens, okay? Uh, you know, I, I could say it in the words of David. He called, uh, when he went out against Goliath, he didn't say, well, I really love you, man. I think we're all the same. We're all equal. No, he said, I'm going to take your head from you, you uncircumcised Philistine. You know, a very racial derogatory term, uncircumcised Philistine. David, you know, today that David would be the worst racist. We ought to hang him and... Uh, you know, and, uh, and get rid of them, right? Uncircumcised Philistine. All right. Now, if the Philistine wanted to serve God and David said, you're an uncircumcised, filthy Philistine, you can't ever come to God. That would be wrong. Okay? So when I went back, when I was talking about defining terms, it's how you define terms, okay? Um, the world today is defining racism as the very things that the Bible promotes, okay? Um, all right. Galatians 3 verse 28. Here's another verse that they pull out. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, this looks so wonderful, doesn't it? We're all... This is all we need today in the church. We need to be promoting this. This is the main goal. Um, but let me stop and think about this for a minute. Now, in Jesus, we can be part of a spiritual brotherhood with people from any race, any culture. If I go over to China and there's Chinese there, there's a common bond that I have with those Chinese people over there because they're Christians, right? But does it mean that there's no difference between an American and a Chinese person that now we should just say there's no difference. No, because there, there should be able to be Christians in every uh, nation and there should still be yet a brotherhood between Christians of different races. There, um, and that's what Paul's point is. Because now think about this. If, there's, if this means there's absolutely no difference in nations, okay? There's no difference between an Israelite and a Gentile. Once you're a believer, you can all just live happily together in one land and we'll blend all the cultures together. If that's what that meant, if that's what this means, then once people become a Christian, whether you're a male nor, or a female, you are no longer a female anymore and I'm no longer a male, right? Because there's neither male nor female. Well, you know they're still male and female when you, once you become a Christian. But the thing is, you're still all equal status as far as being 
partakers of salvation and being part of the spiritual body of Christ. But there's still roles in that body of Christ, okay? Now, the woman, now just because she becomes a Christian, doesn't mean she can all of a sudden exert her power and authority over the man. My wife doesn't just get to start bossing me around now. I get to boss her around now. <laughs> but uh, there's still a hierarchy. That's my point. There's still a hierarchy. There was still slaves and free people. There were slave Christian slave owners in the beginning of Christianity. Once those slaves became Christians, they didn't set them free. They had a love and respect for each other, but there was still a social and a national standings that were in place. Okay. In other words, what I'm saying is, this verse does not whatsoever erase social or national standings. Okay, your social status or your national standing. Just because you come, if you work for an employer and he's got, he's got, uh, he's a multi-billionaire, and you guys were both pagans and you both converted at the same time together, does he now have to share with you his whole business because you're you're Christian? Does he say we're equal now, man? I shouldn't have all this. No, he still has all that stuff. And there, it doesn't change that, okay? So in other words, Satan is so tricky. And what he's done is he's taken these few verses and is pulling them out of context. And I'll show you that in the New Testament itself, there still is a difference between Israelite and non-Israelite. And I'm not going to get into the complications of it right now, though. But some will argue that the Greeks were Israelites anyways, so there really was no difference. But I'm saying the way that they're teaching it today as they say there's no difference between Jew, Judite or Israelite and Gentiles, okay? Um, all right. Romans chapter 10, verse 12, says this again. I mean, it looks like there's so many New Testament scriptures that say this. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is... Uh, is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, we're, this is a question of salvation, not kingdom status, okay? Salvation is open to all races, all nationalities. And um, so again, what would be wrong for me is to say somebody from China or somebody from... Uh, one of the Native Americans, I'll use an example, if I say, he can't be saved. Only the Israelites can be saved. Now that would be wrong, and that's what Paul was talking about, okay? About people being able to be saved. It doesn't change the destiny of the nations. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So there was a point in time where Jesus commanded his disciples, he said, don't go to the non-Israelites, only go to my lost sheep. Okay? Only go to my lost sheep. Because they were supposed to get the gospel first. Uh, Mark chapter, in other words, you know, you look at this today, people would say, well, that is, that is just terrible. How can, I mean, basically you could pull any verse out of the Bible and the world's going to say, that's terrible. We can't accept that. No, not that one either. Just the ones that you highlighted earlier, you know, there's no Jew, no Greek, no Gentile. Those are the only ones we want. We don't want the rest, especially not in context. No way. All right. Matthew 7, or Mark, chapter 7, verse 25. 
Jesus comes into uh, contact with a Gentile woman here. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. Now again, some people believe that the Greeks were actually lost Israelites anyways, but let's just pretend it's not. A uh, Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. So the mom wants her daughter healed of this demon. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. He's talking about the children of Israel. For it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. Okay? Man, this, is, this verse, people become aware of that verse, which I'm sure the anti-Biblists do. They find these verses, I guarantee you, you look at their books that they write about it. There's a reason they hate Christianity, and it's because of the racial components to it. Um, Jesus referred to her as that. I mean, that's, I'm, not, I'm afraid to say it because <laughs> somebody will call me a name. I'm just reading what I'm reading. Um, and he answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone forth out of thy daughter. So Jesus did heal her because of her faith. But there was a difference between the Israelites and the nations at that time. Jesus said, I'm, go I'm not going to take away from the rightful heirs, the children of the kingdom, and give to you. But then she begged him, and he did. He was compassionate. Um, okay. Nehemiah 13, verse 1. I, I said I'd be all over the place. I am. But uh, Nehemiah 13, verse 1, On that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them, howbeit God turned the curse into a blessing. Okay, um, let me see here. Okay, now it came to pass when they heard the law. Wait, all right. So back in the Old Testament, God said that the Ammonites and the Moabites would not enter into the congregation of the Lord. So there were differences between the nations there. He was mad at these nations uh, for what they had done to the Israelites and, and forbade them from entering into the congregation. Um, verse 3 now it came to pass when they heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. Okay, So again, why did they do this? Because of Deuteronomy 7. You are a holy people unto the Lord. You're separate. Uh, you have a, a destiny. And it was important that they remain separate and to remain um, so that they could retain their national identity. Uh, skipping on down to verse 23 of Nehemiah 13. In those days also, I, uh, in those days also saw I Jews or those of the tribe of Judah that had married wives of Ashdod, Ammon, and of Moab, and their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. Okay, so these were these were what the Bible calls uh, in the Hebrew. A mongrels, okay? The English, they translate it bastard. All right, and the English is translated bastard. Now, we think of bastard today as somebody 
that was born out of wedlock. But the biblical definition of bastard or uh, a mamzar, mamzar, I think I said mongrel, mamzar, mamzar, is somebody of a, a mixed, a half Israelite and a half of some, something else. That's what the Bible refers to as, a, uh, as that. So the re- one of the reasons I bring this up is, okay, so they'll call you a racist if you believe that the races should not intermix. Uh, white people should marry white people, Asian, Asian, black. That's the definition of a racist today. If they say that if you believe that the races should re- re- marry into just each other, that's terrible and horrible. But yet the Bible promotes that. Kind after kind, nations stay with nations, tribes with tribes, and so forth. Okay, so, uh, so he sees this happen. They're mixing with the pagan women. And I commanded them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You will not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. I mean, you think about this. We're so weak and soft today. Uh, Was it Nehemiah got so mad that he punched a couple of them, yanked their hair out, and made them swear that they wouldn't do this again. <laughs> okay? Don't marry the pagan women. What a racist! <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm show, what I'm doing in this study is I'm showing how things have been, we've been programmed to be so jumpy when it comes to these issues. Race mixing, wanting to keep your national identity, and believing that we are... Uh, a chosen nation, not like other nations. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 26, he continues on. He says, Did not Solomon, the king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Okay. Solomon's pagan wives, they caused him to sin. They were the downfall because he um, started worshiping their gods. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? Okay. Now, the early Americans, they believed this stuff. Okay, They believed this. It wasn't that long ago that people stopped believe, believing this. And a lot of people still do believe it, but they're just too afraid to say it. Um, because it's biblical. It's biblical. It hasn't changed. So for 2,000 years... Now think about this. It's just recently that the wise and intelligent, liberal, weak, evangelical preachers are up here preaching all these uh, unity and diversities and multiculturalism lectures. But for 2,000 years, the Christian church in Europe never had in their mind doing these things. Okay? For 2,000 years of Christianity, it was common, it was expected that there were no intermixing between the races. They didn't believe that, they believed that that was wrong. But yet, just the last 50 to 100 years, now all of a sudden, the Christian church is enlightened and we know better. But yet, our country is falling apart into paganism at the same time. So what's causing this paganism to come about? These teachings really are. People don't realize it, but the Bible is about one man and his family. The kingdom of God is about one man and his family. And when that family becomes contaminated, mixed with the pagan peoples, that family gets degraded. Okay, They become like the pagans. 
And it's the story of the Bible since the very beginning. Since when God said to Eve that, that her seed would crush the head of the serpent, yet the serpent would bruise the heel of the woman. It's always been a family conflict. But they try to take that element out of it, and you, you can't. Otherwise, the enemy wins. Okay, get through a couple more verses here. And uh, one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sambalat, the Horonite. Therefore, I chased him from me. I mean, this he's pretty upset. He's chasing this guy. He's punching people, pulling out their hair. Now, I'm not telling anybody to go do that. No, anybody that's watching. Don't go up to somebody that's guilty of this and try this. You'd go to jail or prison for hate crimes. Um, Nehemiah 13, verse 29, Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood, the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. The very priests themselves were marrying heathen women. Thus cleanse I them from all the strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business. And as for the wood offering at times appointed and for the first fruits, remember me, O my God, for good. Okay? So he did cleanse, Nehemiah cleansed the nation at that time. I mean, a very, these guys were marrying these pagan women, you know, probably liked the way they dressed. Maybe they were showing a little bit more stuff than the Israelite women were or whatever. And uh, they, they were succumbed to it. But he had the boldness and the courage to withstand all these leaders that were doing that. And I feel like today the pastors should be like Nehemiah. Have, I mean, do you think it was very popular for him to do that to those leaders at that time? There were a lot of influential leaders that, were, that had foreign wives. Okay, so anyways. Is wanting to live among those of your own race a sin? Okay, this is te a terrible sin if you say this today to a, a sin according to the world. If you say, I want to live in a community that most of the people are of my extended family or tribe or race. Um, you know, it's amazing. It's not a sin if you're black, though, or of another culture. That's fine. They can live by their own. But if you're white and you want to live in a neighborhood where it's predominantly white, then you've got a problem. You need, to, you need some counseling, man, some re-education on that. Um, Breitbart News. This is... <laughs> This kind of topic, I don't enjoy doing this topic because I know it's controversial, but yet I know that this topic is probably the most significant topic facing our nation today. Okay, Here we got Biden's 2020 party platform. Proposal seeks to abolish America's suburban communities. Okay, A lot of people are thinking, oh, they're just rioting in the cities right now. Just let them have the cities. I don't live there anyways. I live out in the suburbs. They don't intend to let us just live out here in comfort, okay? Joe Biden's radical proposal for the Democrat Party platform for 2020 seeks to put an end to America's suburban communities by forcing low-income housing into every neighborhood and flooding every community with immigrants, legal or otherwise, okay? This is, this is Satan trying to flood out the children of Israel. He's trying to diminish us, get us to, to, to mix ourselves away, to hate ourselves, and or just to be outbreeded, and so forth. Okay? It's a foreign invasion without an actual physical army. And the goal is to eliminate, it really is to eliminate white people. And you have to be blind and stupid not to realize that. Okay? Blind and stupid. It's been going on since the 1960s. 
with the, the immigration laws that they passed, designed to, to, to flood us out. Amos 9, verse 14. I don't know how many more verses I had in here. I might have to skip a few. But, um, and I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel. Okay, the question was, is it a sin to want to live with your own people, okay? We find out in the Bible that it's one of the most, the, one of the greatest hopes of the Israelites is to want to live in their own land, to not be disturbed by the heathens. And I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their own land. Remember Genesis 10, right from the beginning. God's purposes have never changed. This prophecy has not come to pass yet. And they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord, thy God. So the new, these, these so-called New Testament-only Christians, they say that everything's changed in the New Testament, yet this prophecy hasn't even come to pass yet for the Israelites to be in their own land to never move again. So it's, it's a fraud. It's a lie. Isaiah 14, verse 1 says, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and yet choose Israel, and set them in their own land and the strangers shall now check this out and the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob and you say oh well there it is right there but if you continue reading and the people shall take them and bring them to their place and the house of Israel shall possess them the other nations that were cleaving to them that wanted to assimilate and live with them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids and they shall take them captives whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. Okay, So it's not quite what they're looking for there. Um, Ezekiel 34 verse 13 says, And I will bring them out from among the people, and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land, and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers, and in all the inhabitants of the country. And you shall, Ezekiel 37, 13, And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out of your graves, and, you shall, and, uh, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, am the Lord, that I the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Uh, Ezekiel 37, 21 says, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and I will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Kind of let you know where we're going to be when, when Christ comes. We're going to be surrounded by the heathen. So Joe Biden's proposal at some point, I don't know if it will happen in our lifetime or not, we are, they're going to flood us out. We're going to be remnants living among the heathen. That's what Jesus says when he comes. He's going to take us away from them. And I will make them one nation... Okay, and there shall be no more two kingdoms anymore. I'm just going to fly through some of these. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God. Now check this out. This is important. This is why this is all happening. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them into their own land and have left none of them there anymore. Okay. In other words, what we're seeing, the, when the heathen advance and they outnumber us and we become persecuted, it's because we have not followed God's law and God lets them do that. And he says, I will no longer hide my face from them. Alright, the strain, okay, so anyways, to sum that up real quick, wanting to live in your own land 
is not a sin. It's actually a great hope. There are so many prophecies about the Israelites getting to be away from the heathen into their own land. Now, check out Deuteronomy 28, verse 43. It says, The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Okay, so it's actually a curse. This is actually a curse that the stranger within thee would get up very high above thee. Yet that's what they're promoting as a blessing today in America. They're promoting this as a blessing. Okay, um, so that's all right. As we get ready to close up here, um, Joel chapter two. The whole book of Joel describes a locust army coming into the nation of God's people, coming among the Israelites. They come in, they devour, they strip it. It was as the Garden of Eden before they came in. And when they come in, they strip it, they leave it bare and desolate. And it's talking about the nations. Uh, today it's talking about the nations flooding into America through mass immigration, legal and illegal, to, to take over our country. And this is the result of that. God says, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. So God says, when this happens, I want you to do this. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. That's basically right here in the position of teaching. And let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? That's exactly the purpose of my study here today. I'm standing up here kind of weeping that all these, they're saying this is great. They're saying that we're sinners for believing all this. But yet God says the, the pastors should be saying, spare thy people from the heathen. Lord, don't let them keep doing this. Don't let Black Lives Matter keep gaining power. Don't let all this immigration happen. They're, they're, you know, spare thy people. Let us keep. Don't let them tear down our memorials. This is what God says I want you to be praying about. But yet, how many pastors would, would even have the courage to give a, a sermon like this? I mean, um, not, not too many. Because they don't want to be called racist, bigot, homophobic white supremacist. All right. Joel 3, verse 16 says, The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. This hasn't happened yet. So what do we know? The children of Israel are still mentioned in prophecy, not just the church. The church isn't just the only thing there is. There's the church, and then there's still Israel, national Israel. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her anymore. That's what we're hoping for. Okay, now I said I'd close up with this. I know I keep saying we're going a few more, but we're almost there. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints. This when you read the word saints, we're always talking about the children of Israel, those who were set aside. Saints means to be separated. 
of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cognitations much trouble me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Okay? Kept the matter in my heart. All right. So, just to wrap it up again, it is not a sin to want to um, live in a nation where your culture and your tribe is in power. Okay, There's no sin in that. Um, it's not a sin to believe that races should stay within races as far as marriage. Um, it's not a sin to, uh, to, to want the hope of eventually um, living in our own land. It's the great hope of the Bible and, uh, and so forth. So, questions or comments? Well, the first thing that comes to mind was in, in talking about is a, a sin to want to live among your own people or race or whatever. And it's just so obvious. You look at uh, in our country, uh, you have the Somalis that live all in the Somali communities. And the Asians or the Hmong live in Hmong communities. And I mean, it's, they're doing that on purpose. Nobody's forcing them to do that. It's because of the what you're just what you're saying that's their desire is to be around their own culture their own people and uh, so if it's okay for them then obviously it's okay wouldn't it be okay for us right but they say it's not okay for right. us so. no. <laughs> well, if, if we think that way yeah they can march through the streets saying black power but if somebody went through the streets saying white power it would be everywhere on the news as these haters bigots but they oh, yeah. completely ignore what they do but it's just so clear and obvious that that's just the natural tendency of races or mm -hmm. you know, nationalities and cultures is to stay together. Right. Uh, you know, it's just a perfect example. The other thing I'm thinking is, <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure how to word it, but, you know, in the Old Testament it was saying not to mix with the heathens and the, the pagans and, and the different uh, nations or whatever. But now in the New Testament, because back then they didn't have salvation for anyone other than Israelites, or even if, I don't know, there was a point where God said he kind of overlooked things or something, sin. Right. And I'm just wondering if now in the New Testament where, you know, a, a non-Israelite or a non-white can be saved and be equal in that terms, does that still... How is that? Are there examples of that where uh, you know you can't mix two Christians? Right. I think I know you're, you're black and white. If yeah. Both true God-fearing Christians. You know that's different than in the Old Testament where you can't mix with a pagan or a heathen because you still can't do that in the New Testament. You know, I don't care if you're two white people, you can't marry a, a pagan or a heathen, the non-Christian. You should never, ever, ever do that. Right. But. You know, you understand yeah, you're, and I think a lot of Christians have, so they define heathen and Israelite basically as uh, believers and non-believers. So if you're a believer, you should be able to marry a believer of any race, right? Um, and that, that, that's, it, is a, it is a hard argument to go through. But again, I, I, like I mentioned in the study, if you go through 2,000 years of Christianity, um, they still believed in separation of races, even among believers, you know. And it just, uh, I mean, there are a lot of other, 
reasons people get into for that. I mean, it really does, you know, it makes an uncomfortable environment for, let's say, uh, say, a, you know, when a black person marries a white person, their extended families now, they might not all be believers. And they, some of them don't, you know, there's just, it's not a natural cohesiveness. There's still, it starts kind of separating the family is, is kind of what I'm saying. It, it, dis, dis, it starts uh, pulling the tribe apart. So I am of the belief, and, and, and this, there's a legitimate argument that they can make on the other side, but I'm of the belief that, uh, that uh, the different races still remain separate, even if they're believers. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw an example of that on a reality show, a modern, a recent reality show where a, a white woman and a black man ended up, were going to hook up and get married, but then they had to go meet each other's family, and the black dad, father, I know it was a black woman, white man, that's what it was, and the black father of the black woman was and they even talked about it before they met that he's going to have a real problem with this. It's going to be hard. This is, mm -hmm. and that was one of the things the black father kept asking the not kept asked the the white guy was, you know, how are you going to feel when you're at a party or a holiday or whatever and you're around 100% black people and they're they're doing the black culture, you know, which is different you know, in some ways than obviously white culture. Yeah. Um, or even their own children aren't going to look like him. Right. Well, and that, that's another biblical issue because when you look at when God created Adam, he made him in his own image. Uh, when Adam had Seth, he said that Seth was after his own image. Well, when a white person marries a black person, that child is not in the white person's image anymore. So that's, you know, it's, it's always a way. You know, when you look at it's interesting because the Israelites... Are recessive. All their tra blue eyes are recessive. Uh, white, you know, the, whenever a the white people go in among other people, they lose. They they're they're gone. I mean, they're not. They're always considered to be of the other uh, race, and um, so I just think it's uh, that would be part of the same thing, you know, and and and. Uh, de-Israelizing the world, so to speak. Right. Yeah, it's a touchy subject. I mean, but it's a, it, like I was saying with that reality show thing, it's, it is still a, and these people weren't Christians or anything. Yeah. It's just a common <clears throat> question and issue. Is, it, it, it is different and odd. Well, think of the kid. Think of what you put the kid now. His identity is, um, what am I? Yeah. You know, and then looking at their white mom, that doesn't really look like me. And you, you see a lot of times the, the mixed race kids uh, uh, will uh, seem to be very, a lot of them actually seem to be the, the most anti-white activists that you see, yeah. the more light-skinned ones. Right. It's like they have some kind of a vendetta or something. I don't know. Obama. Yeah. His mom was white. Well, then uh, that, uh, the kneeler of the football, Kaepernick. He was raised by white people. He was adopted, but he's not full black. He's obviously right. black and mixed with something else. I don't know if it's white or something. But I mean, yeah, I just, I just don't think it's, it's. I just don't think it's ever a good thing, even if it's two believers. I just, there's, there's just other, so many other problems that you wouldn't have otherwise.
Um, the other question I had is, um, I mean, and some of these are really tough questions. I don't expect you to have all the answers, <laughs> but uh, how do you know of white people, all the white people in the world, in Europe and wherever, Sweden, Norway, America, how do you know which ones are, are Israelites? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know how to answer that. I would say probably wherever you s the spiritual sign, because it's so hard to know physically. The spiritual it would be the markers of where the Bible said they'd be, and if they're doing the things that the Bible said they'd be doing, um, would be your best markers. I know they say that. Um, the, a lot of people believe that the Russians are of Edom, but I don't know if I necessarily go along with that because I know a lot of them are Christians there. But that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that one. Other than I do believe, like you said several times, that the Israelites or Israel came here, you know, Israel, I don't know what the, the Israelite people, whatever, Israelis, I don't know what the proper word is, but came here to America, and I do believe that the bulk of the white people that came to America were, were that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a book called Tracing Our Ancestors. I have a copy of it here that goes in. I'm, I've never really become an expert on the actual, like, migration parts of it. I've more been more of aligning the Bible up with where God, what God said the Israelites would be doing and stuff. But um, I should say the the... Yeah, the biblical markers. But, um, yeah, uh, somebody who's done the research on that would be better qualified than me as far as where the actual tribes are. And, but, yeah, I, I just, I, not all white people are Israelites. I, it's it's got to be that way. But, um, but there's another argument that all white people are still of the same race. They're still from Adam. So, and some people believe that they... A lot of them mixed together anyways with Israel, but they're still of the same race, so it's not really uh, a big deal. I don't know. Right. Um, it's definitely not as clear. Yeah. I know our founding fathers, they looked at, the, they, they looked at it as white. <clears throat> well, no, there was actually, no, I shouldn't say that, because there were even some tribal conflicts like... Uh, you know, with within the white uh, nations as well, like they they look down upon the Irish, as Irish people. <laughs> Irish are looked upon poorly at times. And well, you said or I've heard it before, but they were the first slaves. Were the Irish? Yeah, yeah. There were some yeah white slaves in America. Uh, reparations, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely a touchy subject, and. But it's so clear, again, if the Bible says it, I don't care if you're going to call me a racist or a supremacist. If the Bible says it, uh, i got to believe it and i got to go with it. Right. Well, you know, I didn't go into it today. And I've already, the one reason I didn't is because I've, I've already brought it up a few times. But in the eternity, um, well, before the eternity, Revelation 7, you have the 12,000 that were sealed from each tribe. They were all Christians, but then you had this a whole other group of all nations that were Christians, but there was still a distinction, and that 
the 144,000 later on in chapter 14 are called the bride of Christ. Whereas the other Gentile converts are not called the bride of Christ. But yet everybody thinks the church is the bride of Christ. But it's always been Israel throughout the Bible. Israel's always been the bride. They would be more of probably the guests to the wedding. You know, Jesus gave a parable of the people that showed up to the wedding. So, yeah. So there's a difference there. Israel being the bride. And that makes sense because what is Israel supposed to be? Like the, as far as the kingdom goes, that woman with the crown, she's, the, she's royalty. So you have the king and the queen are married in the spiritual sense. God married to Israel and they rule the world. Um, so I think that the biggest deception probably has been throughout our churches is obviously they, everybody thinks that the Jews are Israel and they think we're Gentiles. Right. So obviously now they don't look at all these scriptures quite the same. A lot of our founding fathers did, though, because they looked at themselves as maybe a replacement of Israel, or you know, it was kind of a mixture. Some I think believe they were of Israel, um, but yeah, that's uh, I can't remember where I was going with that, but that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's huge. I mean, the Bible's all about Israel. Um, of course, it's about Israel being a blessing to the nations, but it's all about that those people. I also wonder if the founding fathers, I don't know how to, it's so, there's so many parts to it, but they messed up a little bit. Because it seems like they opened it up for anyone and everyone to come here. Yeah, that was the sin. That's why, I, like, you know, the verses like Nehemiah, he put a stop to that right away. You know, punched the guys, yanked out their hair, because he knew it would, it would lead to the to the destruction of Israel because he pointed out Solomon it ruined him it was going to ruin the nation but that's been the greatest downfall of America is immigration um, because when we've allowed all these other people to come in here it's divided our nation and they've pulled us into their ways and I think they meant it, that if you came here that you need to acclimate to our culture is probably what they intended but yeah that's we've gone so far from that now that that's I think that's a huge part of the problem that uh, you know with the freedom of religion you know it seems like kind of left it open to, to I mean I know that's separating the government from yeah. religion but it also doesn't just say Christian religion so it's saying you know Muslims and Buddhists and everyone can come here and practice their religion right you bring up a good point they they the Constitution was an excellent safeguard, but they left a gaping hole there with right. uh, the religion. And that was hard because they were coming from escaping a state-run church that was oppressive, and they were trying to make sure that didn't happen again. Right. So, <clears throat> But yeah, there should have been something in there, like um, specifying, well, just for this, holding public office. You have to be a believer in Christ. You can be of any denomination, but you have to profess to be a believer in Christ. And that would have solved a lot then of problems. I suppose they thought, well, that's starting to look more like what we just left. Is the state wrong? You have to believe yeah. what we believe. So what if they start believing in a false Christianity? You know? Right. And, and then um, imposters could just say they believe in Christ too. But, right. but there were, you know, prior to 1960s, 
they had their immigration laws restricted immigration from Asia and from other countries. In fact, I mean, what they, they only wanted to bring in people from white Christian nations. But that all changed in the 60s, um, 1965 or 63, whatever it was, the Immigration Act of that year. And that opened the floodgates of the locust army to come in, Joel chapter 2, or Joel chap, the whole book of Joel. Um, that's, I mean, since that period, our nation has gone downhill very fast. It's, there's a direct correlation between non-white Christian peoples coming into America and the downfall of America in a very rapid amount of time. In fact, my, our kids right now, they, they're minorities at their age. They're already minorities. It means in your age group, you are a minority. When you add up all the, all the different races. Yeah, yep. And, it's, and, it's, and by 2040, uh, it'll probably be faster than that, but in 20 years, they're saying all white, no, all white people are going to be the minority. Well, because white people aren't procreating immigrants. They're not having multiple kids. In yeah. But... Yeah, and the immigration thing. Um, so you got, yeah, you got, they're not procreating, you got immigration, uh, breakdown of the family. Yeah, which is huge. I mean, we're, this, this is just heading to, I gotta go. yeah, it's, it's heading to somewhere not very good pretty Show fast. Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you. And thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is mine.